Hi everyone. This month we sat with Jonas Mavava from IDH's COCO program to learn more about some of the issues in the COCO sector and how IDH and partners are working together to address them. We hear in this podcast about the link between COCO and deforestation, the green COCO program in Cameroon, and how it's creating a fine flavor market from shade-grown COCO, how COCO companies are helping smallholders get access to shade and fruit trees, and the importance of access to finance for smallholder farms. To kick it off, Jonas, I'd love to hear from you. Why is cocoa so important for you? Oh, I was born under cocoa tree. That's one. And uh, also, if I'm here today, it's based on the income from cocoa. And this is why I think I deserve to give it back. You know, that's why I'm so passionate about cocoa. So one issue I'd love to understand better is the relationship between cocoa and deforestation in tropical countries. Could you explain to me why cocoa farmers are cutting down so many trees? Cocoa has been in the last 10, uh, 20 years, the only crop where farmers have not been used to fertilize, to restore the land. In the other crops, they are used to eat cotton, uh, coffee, uh, tea. But in cocoa, because cocoa has been planted in good lands, over the last 60 years, nobody really cared about giving back all what you have been uh, taking from the soil. So all the cocoa farms today are depleted. The product production uh, is low, productivity is low. And therefore, there are some farmers' ways of increasing their production is just so to move into forest. So this is where you see this link between cocoa and forest. Thanks, Jonas. That makes it clear what the problem is. So what's the approach that IDH and partners are taking then that could address this issue? We just announced a green cocoa program in Cameroon. What is that all about? In today's economy, we need to build partnerships and uh, partnerships between the private sector, the government. So what we're doing in this Cameroon green cocoa program is to build a PPP approach with the government of Cameroon we will need new regulations to make sure that cocoa is not contributing to deforestation. We need uh, the government to make sure that all the farmers' effort contribute in the protection, in the restoration, are compensated financially because it's one of the key questions of the farmer. What do I gain keeping the forest? rather than putting cocoa. So government will have a role to play in regulating and creating the enabling environment for this to happen. Companies as well, they are the one to buy this, uh, this product. They should know where it's coming from because they are uh, directly with the international market. We think that building this partnership between government and private sector can help boost and valorize the Cameroon cocoa in the international market, showing that, hey, this cocoa is deforestation-free, charitable-free, and is taking care of the living income of the farmers. The key concerns of the consumers today in uh, all the countries where the Cameroon cocoa is sold. Sounds like a very promising approach, engaging both the public and private sector to create an enabling environment. But I wonder, do we think about what's in it for the farmer? If we're promoting green cocoa or shade-grown cocoa for smallholders, will they be able to get as much yield from the cocoa as if it was grown in full sun? 
And how does that affect the cocoa farmers in Cameroon? By definition, cocoa is a forestry. And this is what we are also, what is proven in Cameroon, where cocoa is more under shade than in most of the countries. I think Cameroon would like to take its cocoa knives in the arena of fan flavor, good quality to boost farmers' income. And it has been demonstrated that beans under shade have more flavor than full sun. We have tested some experiences in Cameroon where we can even do sort of like the wine, what we call in French appellation controle, which means you have in different parts of the cocoa belt in Cameroon, you can have different tastes, different flavor. And this has been demonstrated just because it's produced under shade. So I think this is the leading factor on this green program, save the forest, but also make sure we can increase farmers' income from this flavor, the quality, the good quality of their cocoa in the market. Now, that's why I think the approach we use in developing the CFI and even the commitments is important. How do we make sure that, yeah, we are not doing this in the treatments of the farmers and how do we include the farmers in the process? So I think the involvement communities around these protected areas are the first one to even protect. But then it means we need to help them understand that without the forest, you cannot earn money because there will be no rain, there will be no cocoa anymore. And this is why in this protection, sustainable production and inclusion, the role of the community is key and is important. We need to have vast campaigns around protected areas towards these communities to sensitize them about the importance. And also with companies, just start passing the message that, sorry, if we happen to know that your beans are coming from this area, from the protected areas, don't be surprised if you don't buy it. But I think just messaging already that all the cocoa from the protected areas will not find the market would already be a signal to the farmers. And we thought that farmers don't understand it. It's not true. They will understand why now there is campaigns of protection of the forest. So they will contribute. We want them on board. It's key. Well, you've convinced me that we have all the right players on board. Green cocoa sounds like the way forward, but in our path to get there, do you feel like we're going there fast enough? Not really. To be honest, not really. We need strong measures from government and industry, but the more we wait or we spend time in uh, discussions, administration, the forest keeps disappearing. I think what should be interesting already is, first of all, make sure that in all these countries, there are satellite surveillance or monitoring of the forest, make it strong, make the rules uh, at the country's level stronger also about, say, if the commitment is not sourcing, for instance, from uh, protected areas, just make sure that we trace and we are able to sanction whoever bypass these commitments. So there is a need to ask ourselves about what should we do now to stop and keep what is there. We still have a lot to, uh, we have to move fast on that question.
Do you think that sensitization is enough to really motivate or laws that limit their selling beans are really enough for a farmer to do something? If, if you were to ask them, what do you really need, cocoa farmer, to ensure that you can have a livelihood and not cut down any more trees? What do you think that farmer would answer? We tend to think that farmers don't know the importance of environment or the, or the forest. When you look at the, the traditional way of land management or land use plan of the farmer, you will be surprised to see that he knew how to do it. But the problem is that in the past, they had time, they had no pressure on all what is happening today, children to school. Uh, so that's why they had time to manage the nature. But today, pressure is so hard that they have to generate more income. And for them, the only way to generate more income is to go to the forest. So yes, the, the, answer, the answer will be, I have to go, I have to expand my farm. But then also one of the key issues we are talking about, for instance, is the, the tree ownership. We need to also educate a sensitized farmer that a live tree can bring money is also an asset. In the past, they only know that it's a dead tree, which is an asset. Either they turn it on firewood or they sell the timber. But today, if we are able to demonstrate that having a live tree in your farm, this is the impact you will have. This is what is going to happen. Farmers, they will be the first to even plant more trees in their farms. But why did they keep trees in their farm? Because the government will sell the license to the timber company. And if there is a big tree in their farm, the timber will come and cut it, destroying their cocoa farms and just move away. And the farmer has nothing. So the first thing they do when they are creating their farms is to kill all those trees. They think that somebody else will come and take it rather than maintain it. So if we make the farmer understand, you plant the tree, you prove that. And we are discussing with the government in Cote d'Ivoire in Ghana how a law can make a farmer who plants the tree owner of the farm, then you'll have to choose whether he sells it or he just keep it. And then all this payment uh, for environmental services will be there to compensate for the trees he has in his farm. And I think also that the good decision taken by the companies, which is now to promote agroforestry, is key because we hope and we think well done if you have the good agroforestry approach and system, this will contribute in having more trees and, uh, and the forest cover in all those countries. And how would a company actually encourage agroforestry? How would that look? I think the key at this stage is to agree on standards when we are talking about agroforestry. What do we mean? And the discussion is ongoing now in Cote d'Ivoire or in Ghana to agree on the standard agroforestry model we can uh, help farmers adopt. Is it more timber associated to cocoa or is it fruit trees associated? So there are a lot of discussions and I think what is important, each system will depend on the companies or uh, the farmers' interest because if a farmer is more interested in having more fruit trees because he can generate more income from it, uh, no matter what you say, uh, they will have they will just 
add more food trees. But I think the company's also interest will be to show that they are contributing not only to the farmer's income, but will be also to show that they are contributing in the forest cover because we need both. How to address farmers' diverse source of income to stop him drenching in the forest, but also we need at the national level to increase the forest cover in the country. And can you tell me a little bit about how access to finance is important in these kind of setups? Yeah, I think we need to look at the farmer as an entrepreneur. Like in Europe, an entrepreneur who doesn't have access to finance cannot invest in his business. So if now we said we are helping this new entrepreneur setting his, his enterprise, where you have different type of uh, activities, you may have cocoa, you may have uh, fruit trees, you may, so you will need to invest into it. Invest on cocoa in terms of input in order to maintain, to stay where you are and produce more. You may need new seedlings, so you will need money to invest, to buy all those things. So access to finance is important. So what is interesting here is that we help a farmer to understand that he is creating an enterprise, he's an entrepreneur, and he needs to have links with financiers who can help him invest in his activity so that he can grow and make his income out of it. Otherwise, we are putting burdens on a farmer, asking him to do all this, which means cocoa farms in Cote d'Ivoire, Nigeria, or Cameroon are between 450 to maximum 600 kg per hectare. What is gained there doesn't even help him reinvesting in the business. But we need to boost this business, this activity, so that he can earn more, be able to pay back, and now meet up with his, his needs. So access to finance is key in this activity. And maybe just shortly, you could tell me what IDH is doing to promote access to finance for cocoa farmers. Uh, that's good. Uh, good point. Uh, in fact, what we have noticed is that financiers they don't know the far cocoa farmers. Most of them don't even know agric. They don't know at what time the farmer needs inputs. At what time he may need to invest in other activities. So. What we are trying to do is build a platform where financiers and farmers through their cooperatives can discuss, know each other better. So we have been supporting some financial institutions in just opening, helping them to understand the cocoa sector, to know that, hey, if a farmer asks for a credit in June, it means he needs it in June because if he has it in October, he has lost all his production, and therefore you cannot come back to him and say you have to pay back. So this understanding, we think we have gained it. Now we've, we have six financiers in the program we have set up in Côte d'Ivoire who now understand the cocoa sector, and they understand also that they need different type of financial products. Because in the past, the financiers were just thinking that because they develop a product for civil servants, they can just adapt it a few words and it's for farmers. No. This discussion with the farmers made them understand that they have to develop different set of financial products accessible to farmers. One of them, for instance, is the school fee. Farmer, when he sells the products, the school rate is in September. 
In September, he has nothing. So financiers understand, ah, if you want this guy to be functional, operational, we need to open a door for him to get a loan, pay the school fees of his children, and then if he's secure enough, he can conduct his activity on time and he doesn't have to sell out, but he can keep it and pay back the loan. That's one of the key. The other one is making sure that, hey, he needs also health insurances like, like you and me to feel secure. What you have noticed over the last two years, you have implementing this program in Cote d'Ivoire. We need to secure farmers' income. All what he has been doing was cash. He was handling cash, What is a pity because Later on, we say they, they don't know how to manage their money. But if you are paid your one-year salary once, your boss asks you to manage and come back only next year, I don't know where you survive. So the first key action we have done to help farmers accessing finance is to say, guys, you need a bank account. And digitization programs has helped in such a way that farmers now, through their mobile phones, they have their bank account. And all of them are surprised to see that in September, they still have money. They can pay a school fee for their kids. They can pay for the health of their uh, families. So this first step is key. And also they can mobilize their own savings to come to, to sit with the, the finances and say, guys, to maintain my farm or to build uh, my house is 100,000 euros, for instance. And have 20,000, can you help me with the 80? So they can now better understand the discussions with the financiers because they have a secure uh, financial system where they can save their money. In the past, just to give you an example, uh, last year, we heard and in the discussion in Cote d'Ivoire, we heard that eight presidents of cooperatives were killed just because they were handling cash. We are talking about millions of CFA or thousands of uh, euros handled in cash. So this uh, access to finance is to secure all these financial transactions between the traders, the cooperative, the farmers. And we think the farmers, because digitalization is also even helping farmers just to pay through their mobile phone without handling cash, which is a big innovation in the cocoa sector in rural areas. Wow, that's so inspiring. I think we've covered a lot of our cocoa program interventions. So this has become something about deforestation and our access to finance initiative, which is very exciting. Do you want to say any closing remarks about why you're so excited this year for IDH cocoa? What I will close with in terms of access to finance securing the financial transactions of farmers and making feel more proud of their uh, valorizing their work because now they can save they can uh, you know through their mobile phone they can feel themselves more secure and i think they i'm excited about what we are going to do in cameroon because there we can also uh, demonstrate that hey, we can contribute to the protection of the forest in the Central Africa, which is one of the, the the breath of the earth in this world. So, and I'm also excited to see that companies do not hesitate to follow us in Cameroon 
we have almost six companies collaborating and the government said, yes, we are ready. So, yeah. Things are looking good. I think so. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. (laughs) 